everyone, and welcome again to the Just Shiatsu Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Zielinski, and today I wanted to explore some ideas that I've come across in my work, um, and I, I focus a lot on expansion and contraction while I'm working on a, another's body. I just want to explore the ways this reflects in the world, and I would like to explain some ideas or thoughts I have on why this is working and how this is working in the body. Because there is often a difference between theory and reality. But we have to start somewhere. So we have to start with the theory and see if the reality matches. Now, I'm always looking for a universal idea, a universal principle. It holds true no matter what perspective you take, right? So I want to start by looking at some ways that expansion and contraction exist in our world. So first, we can start with just looking at cells themselves. Every cell in the body has a nerve attached to it that either lets it know if it needs to be in a you know fight or flight mode or if it can re- relax and repair. This is reflected in the nervous system in the body, of course, and you know they call this the sympathetic state or the fight or flight state and the parasympathetic state, which is the rest and digest or feed and breed. In the sympathetic state or when a cell is in a protection mode, right? It's contracted. And in this contracted state, we get an increased heart rate, the digestion slows, and the body starts priming for action. So we actually get contracted a little bit in the muscles too, so that they can be more tense and ready. But this draws all you know, blood and function away from the primary organs so that we can defend ourselves. So the body can't actually heal in these states. You know, This would often be high stress states as well. So the goal in almost all healing arts, you know, is to try and get the body back into a parasympathetic state or a relaxed state, or we could say an expanded state. And in this state, the heart rate slows. Everything can now move back into the organs and focus on making those function correctly. So we get, you know, increased digestive activity. It also allows us to be aroused. So Without the parasympathetic system, you know, you're not going to be able to get to those states where you can enjoy sex or, you know, just have pleasure in life in those regards. And then, of course, in the parasympathetic state, the body is also able to get rid of the uh, toxins and things that are in the body that it would not have the time to do if it was in a fight or flight stage. So you're able to urinate and, you know, have bowel movements, you know, in the sympathetic state, these functions tend to get put on the back burner because for you to stop and do that puts yourself in danger. So as you can see, when we just look at it from, you know, a more Western point of view, we are getting an expansion and a contraction state, which if we go back to Chinese medicine theory, expansion and contraction are yang and yin. Yang would be an expanding outward of your energy or the movement becomes more vigorous, more outward. And a yin would be a more contracting state, right? Everything moves inward. And as we know, in Chinese medicine, they're observing the environment. So they saw this all over the place, right? So we have the sun and the moon. So the sun is the expanding of warmth, right? As it reaches the zenith over the sky, and then it slowly diminishes as it comes back down. And then we get night, where the moon becomes more of an apparent feature in the sky, and it cools off, right? And we can then relate this idea of heat as expansion and this idea of cold as contraction. And 
This is the same way in the body. If we add heat to a muscle, it tends to relax and expand. If we add cold to a muscle, it tends to contract. And then even within these cycles, you know, we have expansion and contraction. As the sun moves up to the zenith in the sky, right? That's the expansion part of the sun's time. Then we see the sun start to move back inward, you know, behind the horizon. And this would be the contraction aspect of the sun. And the body mimics these movements according to Chinese theory, right? And then at the nighttime, we get the moon. And the moon actually changes throughout the month, right? We get this time where the moon is expanding. The light keeps expanding out till it reaches the full circle of the moon. And then the light again contracts back in until we can just see a little sliver of light. And again, this is another reflection in the environment of this expansion and contraction um, that is in our world. And then we can move on to the four seasons from there, right? So we get, you know, the summer, or we should say we get spring and summer, which is the warmth increasing. So we're getting the expansion again. And then we get autumn and winter where the temperatures start to cool, right? Everything starts to move inward. You know, if you go back to the uh, podcast on the four seasonal movements, right? This will be in a little more detail, but everything starts to move in and contract. So I've always found this really interesting. And so I look other places for things that might reflect some way I could put this idea of expansion and contraction onto it as well. So we know all of life is vibration or energy, right? And vibration is literally just the oscillation between expansion and contraction. So something's moving up and away, and then it moves back in, and then up and away and in. And we know for life to function properly, these expansion and contraction movements have to be balanced, right? We can't just fully expand out. We would dissipate into nothing, you know, entropy. The whole body would just become everything else, and we would no longer have a definitive self. And this would be, you know, considered a way to die, right? Just everything keeps expanding. You never come back to yourself. Or the opposite is the contraction aspect, right? We can keep contracting inward and inward and inward. Everything gets so dense and so tight that no movement can can be found anymore. And we know that when there's no movement inside, we're, again, this is the idea of death. And this is also what they're talking about when you read some of the Chinese classics, that yin always turns to yang, and yang always turns to yin. If you don't have this happening, you don't have life. So this is a universal principle of life. Yin always turns to yang, yang always turns to yin. At one point, this expansion has to be ceased and stopped and then brought back in, otherwise we will die. So in that regard, I look at vibration in this same way. But you know, usually when we see somebody giving a visual presentation of vibration, we see a wavelength. We see a line right through the center and we see this wave that comes up and then this wave that comes down and dips below. And this is a good visualization, I think, for the idea of expansion and contraction. As the wave goes above the center line, right, that's expanding. And then we get to a peak and it falls. And then it passes the center line and then it dips equally below, right? And that's the contraction state. So we're contracting in. And again, we get to the maximum contraction. And then it starts to expand again and we rise back up. Now, the reason I find this super interesting is I studied with a, a teacher, you know, as a postgraduate program at the school I went to, 
which was uh, Zen Shiatsu, Chicago. And I studied with a teacher they brought in for their postgraduate program. And his name was Michael Diegro. And he has his own style or method of Shiatsu that he calls the Zenki method. And I was super fascinated by his work. He does take it back to the classical standards. You know, um, he uses the six divisions. And, you know, that most of that theory comes from the Shanghan Lun. And his work seems to focus on that aspect of the six divisions in there. They also are a depiction of expansion and contraction in a way. And he focuses very much on expansion and contraction and has a whole, a whole system based around this. And it piqued my interest because as I started to experiment with these ideas of expansion and contraction, they actually worked in the real world. But I also couldn't explain why. So I, I'm a why person. So if I can't understand the why, you can guarantee I'm going to be looking and finding out why. Do I need to know why? Not necessarily, because it works, and I know how to make it work. But I wanted a reason. And, you know, maybe he gave a reason during the classes, but it didn't stick in my mind. It didn't attach itself in a way that made sense. So I'm always looking out in the world and, you know, other sources for explanations of why this is working. Because everything we ever have been taught, at least when we think about health is we need to relax and we need to expand and we need to soften, right? This is all what it takes to regenerate and heal, right? And this is the parasympathetic system. This is the expansion aspect of our nervous system that allows us to heal when you look at it from that perspective. But I found by working through some of his ideas and thoughts that contraction caused a lot of healing in people's bodies in an unexplained way, because contraction should be a fight-or-flight state, and it should be something that prevents healing. So as I experimented with this idea and these, these movements, I kept finding that I would even say maybe 70% of the time, anything that's lasting for, for long periods of time in the body seems to be resolved more through contraction than it does through expansion. It doesn't mean that contraction is always the way, but I've found through my experience that contraction seems to have more benefit than expansion. So if we go back to this idea of vibration and a wave, right? So we need the, the peak of the contraction or we need the peak of the expansion and then it dips down all the way to the peak of the contraction and then back up. Now, if we simplify that and make that a scale of, let's say, 1 to 10, 1 being a full contraction and 10 being the full expansion that the body needs. Well, as this wave passes through the contraction phase to its full contraction and then expands again, I begin to think that, say we pick a number value, so number three, right? As this contraction starts to move inward, it gets to a level that we could call three, a value of three. And then it'll continue to two, one, and then it'll turn around and start to expand, but it has to go back through those same motions. So one, two, and then there's three again, right? And this will continue back and forth through the 10. So every contraction and every expansion has the same value that if you were to pause time in that moment, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between if that three was in the middle of a contraction or if that three was in the middle of an expansion. And this is what I think from a theory standpoint is happening with the contraction. So we know from Chinese medicine theory that 
blocks are what causes disease. And if we think all life needs is that we need to expand and contract, expand and contract, this is what creates motion in a more simplistic way. And you see it with our lungs and heart and all these things do this every day, nonstop. But if you always focus on expansion and say it was the next step, so let's take a step back. So you get to number three, right? It either needs to move to four because it needs to expand more or it needs to move to two because it never finished its contraction phase. And this is how I'm viewing the healing movement of contraction. So everything didn't move fully inward and got stopped. And if you go back to some of the ideas on emotions and traumas, right? These are things that get put in spaces in the body so that they can be held tight and don't move. Well, what if that moves in to the space during the contraction because that'll hold it best in place? And it doesn't want to release when we expand, but it releases when we contract. Is that because we've now, well, first off, the body has to feel safe. But once that safe feeling is there, if we contract more, it finishes that contracting movement and then allows it to open up. And this is the theory I'm working with right now, at least for my work. And I, you know, all I can say is this is what I've got for the best theory right now as to why this is working. But I can tell you that it works very consistently. So then the other aspect of this that I wanted to to bring attention to is if the body's always, you know, working through a contraction or expansion state, right? When I'm working with it on the body, this is all controlled through the mind, right? Again, we're we're talking about this idea of the mind controls the, the chi of the body, and the chi is the movement of the body. So if I direct movement into a contraction type feeling, the receiver's body is also recognizing this and then follows the motion if it, if it has to. Or I expand the space. And again, same thing. The body will, will uh, expand to that, that feeling that I'm giving it. Another interesting thing about this expansion and contraction is if you keep a quiet mind and don't try to do too much, sometimes you can feel this expansion and contraction happen on its own without any input, which is super fascinating and super awesome and goes to show how intelligent the body is and how little input it needs from outside of itself to to start innate healing. It just needs a little push sometimes. But when we get into touch and we take the, the mind aspect out of the expansion and contraction, we want to, what I can say is, from my experience in the martial arts, so I practice Aikido, and this is a lot about also feeling people's responses to touch. So yes, if someone's stronger than you and better than you, I shouldn't say better, but if they're stronger than you, they can definitely move you even though you don't want to be moved. But the experience is very unpleasurable and very threatening. So when you work with somebody, you know, in your classes or at a seminar, and they are hyper-aggressive with their movements, but they're stronger than you. You know there's nothing you can do, but they're also not protecting you. So it becomes very defensive. You get very contracted. You actually get a little harder to move, and the technique becomes much less pleasant. I know it sounds funny, but when a technique is done in a particular fashion in Aikido, it does become a very pleasurable exercise. Otherwise, why would people practice it? So the other aspect of that is if someone touches you very softly and just kind of guides it in a very gentle manner, this actually creates a feeling of acceptance and openness 
that allows you to follow them almost without thought because it's so welcoming. And this is the type of movement or touch you want to promote either expansion or contraction, right? You don't want to force it in one way. So the more forceful you are, the more you're forcing it to go the direction you want as opposed to the direction it needs to go. So there's a lot of ways that people have tried to explain harboring this kind of touch that that is open to moving in either direction or just following the movements. And the key to me, from my experience, especially with the martial arts and then working in shiatsu itself, is that the movement has to come from the center and stay balanced between the the limbs you're using. And the only way to do that is to, to balance into the center. This way the weight gets distributed evenly between your arms. And then this movement becomes less forceful and just more of a supportive feeling. And it's a supportive feeling that allows it to do what it wants. The idea is never to attack a person. And by that, I mean using a forceful touch, you know, pushing too hard or, you know, I guess more just being forceful with what you're trying to do, right? That's not healing. That's just forcing something to do something, which, you know, in all aspects, sometimes just forcing something into the right direction can be healing. That's why there's arts out there that do force things. You know, a lot of medication in the Western world is based towards forcing your body into doing something. It doesn't always work to heal, but sometimes it does. And then we've got systems systems in a massage theory and application that are based on forcing adhesions to tear and, and, and loosen up so that they're not there as blocks. And those can be highly effective as well. So I'm not saying that force can't have benefit but it doesn't give choice is the way I guess I'm looking at it. And when a body wants to heal, it already knows the way it needs to go. It just needs a little push. And if I don't tell it how to push, but just give it the energy to do what it needs to do, I feel this is a more effective healing experience for somebody. But it's also important to think that this is not a perfect system. It doesn't work all the time. It's why there's other methods out there to work from or view from. And the truth is there is no perfect health system out there. There is no one system out there that heals everything every time. And I do believe this is just because there's that unknowably heaven aspect of a body. And, you know, this is where, if you've been listening to me, I keep talking about this idea of Shen Ming. This is what I believe the true healing movement in the person is. And it accepts what fits its criteria it needs to heal, which means that It's more based on your internal concepts and your internal beliefs or your internal insights or experiences that lend itself to healing, which is why there are so many modalities out in the world that can bring benefit to people, even though they are contradictory. Well, I hope that, again, as always, that this brought some new aspects into your life that maybe you haven't thought about before or maybe gives it a little more definitive uh, purpose or an idea in yourself. You know, experiment with this. You don't need to be with somebody to expand or contract. This can be done with your mind. So you can sit quietly and expand yourself outward. Or you can sit quietly and contract yourself inward. Right? It's where you put your mind in this stillness that also can create these expansion and contraction movements. And this is one of the reasons that I think, you know, meditation can sometimes be a very good tool for helping someone heal as well. Well, again, 
Thank you very much for taking your time and listening to what I have to say. Again, I'm not sure when my next, you know, inspiration will come and when my next episode will be out, but I hope you'll be here still. And until then, I hope you have a great time. Thank you.